Uh, if you guys will go ahead and just pray with me, um, and we'll go ahead and, and get started. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, just for your presence, God, just uh, for the way we can come in here and just worship you, Father, and just and fill your spirit. God, I thank you so much that this is not a dead church. God, I thank you that this church is alive. God, that this church is just filled with your spirit and your power and your presence. God, I thank you, Lord, that you just continually move in our hearts and move in our minds. God, I pray, Lord, that today that you will just, for the rest of this service, God, that you will just be king, Lord God, that you will just, uh, you will be holy and lifted up in this place, God, that uh, that you would just speak to the deepest parts of our hearts this morning, Lord God, that you'll open us, uh, open our hearts and our minds up, God, and just shut everything else out, Lord God, shut everything else from the weak, God, shut everything else out that's going on in the government and politics, God, all, you know, the tragedies of the last few weekends, Lord God, all the, all the chaos that seems to be erupting, God, any, any issues we're having at work or in our marriage, or job, just for a few minutes, Lord, just block all that out, Lord, as we, as we just dwell into your word this morning, God, just let your spirit be with us, God, and, and take over the service, Father, in your holy and your precious name. Amen. Um, I, I want to go ahead and just and just jump right into this because I got some stuff. I got a little bit more stuff than normal that I normally have today. Now that'll make sense later. I saw all you guys not watching the video. Um, I forget that we have lights now, so you can see me walking around on stage. Um, but uh, it'll um, just just some cool things I want to do here in a little bit. Um, but if, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter twelve, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read from that here just in a few minutes. And and up to this point in the series, this this series is called Hearing God. Um, and up to the point in this series, we've talked a lot about um, putting ourselves in a position to be able to hear God. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't have a problem speaking, right? We have a problem listening. We have a problem hearing. God doesn't have a speech impediment, all right? God knows what he's doing. God's been communicating a long time. His words literally are the thing that created the universe as we know it today. God doesn't have a problem speaking. We have a problem hearing. And God, it's not that God's just sitting up there giving us the silent treatment. God, is, God is, wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to move in our lives. And, and so up to this point, we've been really talking talking about getting our lives, getting ourselves in a position to be able to hear God. And, um, and there's going to be a little bit of review on that today, but for the rest of the series, we're going to really look at, okay, once we're in that position, once we're there and we get that, what does it look like for God to really speak into our heart? What does it look like for God to really speak into our life? And, um, and, and, and that's where we're going to kind of head today. And, and I, this is one of those messages, this is one of those things. Um, I just want to teach you this morning how the Lord is going to move in your heart, how the Lord is going to move in your life. And a lot of you already know this. A lot of you already get this. You're not going to learn anything new. But this is one of those things that, that, that really has the potential to change your life in, in a pretty dramatic way um, if you've never really experienced this, if this isn't a part that's a part of your life. Um, and, but it's not going to seem overly dramatic. We have high-impact moments, low-impact moments. And this is one of those low-impact moments, I believe, that could literally change your entire perspective of life if you allow God to do that in your life. And so I just want you to just pay attention this morning. Just hang with me kind of um, as we go. If you've got Romans Chapter 12. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read this real fast here because we've all heard it a hundred times. Um, but then I want to read it from the message just because he, he puts it in a unique way, I think, that applies to this morning. Romans ch- uh, 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, it says this I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, in the, in the message, he kind of says it like this, and I just think this is, a, this is a cool thing. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture you fit into it without even thinking. Let me just say that again. 
Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that surrounds you that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Now, when it comes to hearing God or really hearing God, you've got two huge extremes. You really do. I mean, and even, even in the Christian world, even in the, in, in, in the theological world, you've got two extremes. You've got people over here, when it comes to hearing God, they, they really don't believe at the end of the day that you can hear from God. They don't believe that you're going to get a lot of guidance from God. They believe that God is up, up in heaven and that he's doing his thing, and they believe in God and they believe in Jesus, uh, but they just don't believe that, that God, you, you can pray to God and you can, you can go to God with your problems, but at the end of the day, he's really just a, he's a, kind of a counselor. You know what I mean? You pay somebody a lot of money to just sit there and listen to your problems. Like, and that's how they kind of feel like God is. He's just a really free counselor. Like we can, I can pray and I can talk to him and I can, I can kind of go to him with my problems when I need to you know, go through some things. But at the end of the day, he's really not going to communicate. He's not going to give me any guidance. He's not going to really give me any leading. He just doesn't do that. And, um, and, and it's just, it's just kind of this idea that, you know, we just don't really buy the idea that the God of the universe is going to speak to me personally, and, and that's just kind of that, that extreme, that God really doesn't really speak to the heart and the minds of humans. And then you have the other extreme. These are the people that these people over here are afraid of, okay? These are the people that, that God talks to them through the pineapples at the grocery store, all right? These are the people that they hear God, every flittering thought in their brain, all right, is from God, all right? And, and, and they, you know, God told me to get up this morning and go to work. No, your boss told you to get up this morning and go to work, all right? You get a paycheck, that's how you live your life. God didn't tell you to do that. You know what I mean? And so you got this, this idea, everything that kind of comes through is from God. And really what it is, it's just everything that I want to do, I'm saying it's from God, so it justifies any action that I ever take in my entire life, all right? And so, and that's just kind of that, that whole idea that every thought that comes into my brain is God. Everything that, everything that happens, and you just, you know, you, I mean, literally, they just, and I hear these people all the time. They always come on and say, you know, God just really laid it on my heart, you know, to, to, to come to church this morning. That's, that's good, man. That's, that's, that's great. No, but I just wanted you to know that, you know, God told me that I needed to, I needed to, when I got out of bed, you know, I normally go this way, you know, but God, I went this way this morning. God told me to go left and not right. And I went left. And then when I got down the, God told me to take another right. I went around a field. I drove around that field and the cows, the way they were positioned, all right, God used the way that they were positioned to speak to me that today I need to go hang out at the lake after church. Right? You've met people like that, right? These are the people that I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to give you a list of churches, all right, that are great in this community. And I really think God wants you to go visit those churches. And when you visit all those churches... And then we can come back and have a conversation. No, but we have the two extremes of people that, listen, God really doesn't speak. And then you have the God speaks through the grass. God speaks through everything, everything I have. Somewhere in between those two extremes lies the reality of the way that God speaks to our heart and speaks to our life. And, 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 it, and it's different in, you know, in different ways. But at the end of the day, there is a very set pattern, a very set way that God speaks to our hearts and our minds. And, and people don't really read, realize this, but this scripture um, it, really, it really talks about the way that God will speak to our hearts and speak to our lives and the way that God will change us um, for the good. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. He says, listen, just take your boring, normal life all right, and give it as an offering to God. That's the first thing he says. He said, just go. He said, just take your life. Just take who you are. Go to the next slide. Just take who you are, place it before God. He said, just take your life. And that's really what we've talked about over the last six weeks. You know what I mean? Just take your life. My life's not my life anymore. It's your life, God. You know, my thoughts are, are not my thoughts anymore. It's your thoughts. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you tell me to go, I'll go. If you tell me to say it, I'll say it. If you tell me to think it, I'll think it. You take your life, everything you are, 
All right, just your normal, everyday, get up and eat Cheerios in the morning life and just place it before God. God, this is, this is your life. It's not my life anymore. The second thing he says is, listen, don't copy the custom and behaviors of the world. Don't get fit into culture so much, all right, without even thinking. Basically, he says, listen, don't allow the culture of the day. Don't allow the politics of the day. Don't allow the government of the day. Don't allow the MTV of the day. Don't allow CNN, Fox News. Don't allow everything that is our culture today, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, no matter what, don't let the culture dictate to you what is right and wrong. Don't let the culture tell you what's cool and what's not cool. Don't let the culture tell you who you are and what you're supposed to be and what the dream of your life is. Don't let culture, basically saying, don't let culture be the reference point in your life. Don't let it be that. Don't let the culture of the day dictate to you who you are and what you think. He says, so you got to place your life before God. You come to this place where you do not allow the culture to have your attention, that you would then place your attention on God. That's what he says. So he said, place your life before God. Don't allow the culture of the day, no matter what that culture is, whether that's good or bad, you agree with it or you don't agree with it. Don't allow the culture. Don't allow the government. Don't allow the politics. Don't allow the spirit of the world. Be what tells you who you are and what you think, what's right and what's wrong. Always give your attention to God. All right, that's where we are. That's what we've been talking about for the last six weeks leading up to this moment. He says, that's where you got to put yourself in this position to do that. Don't allow the culture to tell you who you are. You give your attention to God and you let God tell you who you are and you let God dictate what is right and wrong. Basically, God becomes your reference point in this life. And Paul says, listen, when you get to that place, when you get to that place where you have, you've come to the, everything that is my life is yours. God, I give it to you. I'm not going to let the culture, listen, I, I live in America, I live in the world, the culture exists, it's there. You know, I'm, I'm not going to hate it, I'm just, but I'm not going to let it tell me who I am. I'm going to turn my attention, I'm going to turn my focus, I'm going to turn all of my questions, I'm going to turn it to God. God's going to be my reference point. He's going to have my attention. He's going to have my focus. I want to know who I am based off who he says I am, not who this world says I am. And that's how I want to live. He says, when you get there, Paul says something very interesting. He says, you're going to be changed from the inside out. He says, in, in the ESV, it says, you're going to have the renewing of your mind. He, God's basically going to come in. He's going to change the way that you think. He's going to change the way that you perceive life. And I wrote this down, and I, and I really want you to write this down. If there's anything else you don't write down, I want you to write this down. Next slide. The Spirit of God will make impressions in your heart and your mind, ultimately changing the way you think and perceive life. The Spirit of God will make impressions in your heart and your mind, ultimately changing the way that you think and the way that you perceive life. Now, At the end of the day, this is, this, is, this is the meat of the message of the entire series. The idea that God will leave an impression in your heart and that that impression that God leaves in your heart and in your mind will ultimately change the way that you think and perceive life. That's ultimately hearing from God. That's ultimately what that is. That God will speak to your life in such a way that he impresses an idea or he impresses a thought or he impresses something deep into your heart, deep into your mind that changes the way that you think and perceive the world. Every behavior you have ever done, every action you've ever taken, every attitude you've ever come up with, every decision you've ever made, all of it comes from the way that you think. All of it comes from the way that you perceive life. All of it comes from your perspective of the situation, of the circumstances of life. God says, I'm not going to change you from the outside in. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to get involved in the deepest part of who you are. You know the prayer that I pray almost every Sunday? I come up here and I say, Lord God, will you just speak to the deepest parts of who we are? Because that's what God does. 
God gets into the deepest, he fights through all that is us. He gets to the deepest part of where we are and he leaves an impression of a thought. He leaves an impression of an idea. And that impression, that thought, that idea that he leaves deep in us, it changes us. It alters the way that we think. It alters the way that we perceive life. And then eventually it will alter the way that we act and that we behave. A lot of times Christians, we, we believe in this whole idea of moralism. We believe in this whole idea of behavior management. And we try to get to where we can manage certain behaviors. But it's like, it basically turns into a life full of like sin management, right? I'm going to figure out how to manage the sin in my life. I'm not going to get rid of it. I'm just going to figure out how to manage it, all right? And, and, and I'm going to figure out how to deal with it. I'm going to figure out. It's always going to. God says, listen, I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to change the way that you see. I'm going to change the way that you perceive. I'm going to change the way that you think. And I'm going to do that through the renewing of your mind, right? through the impressions of your life. And let me just give you an example of this. Because, listen, I know I, I, I get this. All right? I've never had a drink up here before. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's really good. You think that's coffee? It's Pepsi. Let me give you an example of impressions. I can come up here, I can preach a message on Sunday morning, and I can get feedback, emails, texts, whatever, talk to people. And this is something that I realized a long, long, long time ago. When I come up here and I'll preach, and there'll be 10 people up here at the altar having a moment with God, having an experience with God. Their life is being changed in some way, maybe, maybe a high-impact moment, maybe a, a first-time salvation, or maybe it's just something God's dealing with them. And you go and you talk to those people. I preach one message, and 10 different people have 10 different powerful points in their heart and their minds that that message was about. That message changed their minds. Does that make sense? Come up, I'll preach a message. I'll be over here, and I'll be like, and he'll be, man, when you said this, bam, 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 bam. And, and that thought, man, that just read, that was awesome, Jordan. That just radically changed my heart. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. And I'll see you later. I walk away. I'm going, did I even say that? That, I, that, was, that was not even in my thought process as I was t- preparing, as I was teaching, as I was, that wasn't even a part. Listen, that's because the Holy Spirit used that in that moment and pressed a thought on Ryan. Just, just a few weeks ago within this series, I preached a message and, and, and at the end of a guy come up to me and he was just, he was having a moment, man. He was just crying. He said, listen, I know, like I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just praying and you said this, this and that. And I realized, I realized, man, finances, finances control my life. I just realized that, that I've just always been after wealth and this is the one thing. And he's just, and it's just, he's having this moment. God just impressed into his heart and like, this moment's fine. He said, I've got to get my finances to God. I've got to just give up that control of it. That's just the thing that's holding me back. And, and he left and he just had this moment and he started all these things. And, and do you know what the message was about? It was a secret place. I didn't even mention finances. I didn't even mention, I made one comment about things that get in the way of us having a secret place or an intimate relationship with God. One comment about it. And the Holy Spirit took that one comment that came out of my mouth and he used it to impress to the deepest part of that person's life about an issue that he was struggling with, an issue that, that he needed to change in his life. That's an impression. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that's the way that God works. Right, it's, not, it's not a miracle of speaking, it's a miracle of hearing. It's the way that God imposes himself into your heart, into your will. All right, and I'm going to tell you something right now, I'm gonna, and, I'm, I, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. There are, I, I've, been, I've been preaching since I was, I think the first horrible message I ever preached, I think I was 17, 16, 17 years old. I've been preaching, I'm 28 years old, 10 years. All right, there are, I don't remember without really thinking about it, what I preached seven or eight weeks ago. I don't remember the series. What was the series? Three, three series ago. Anybody remember? No, don't look it up. Right? Huge, huge impact on everybody's life. Right? 
had a message. I remember the message that I, I remember the, the sermon that I got that I was I, I gave my heart to Christ on. I don't remember the sermon. I remember a thought that I had, and I remember the way that God moved in my life, but I don't remember the sermon. I don't remember the message. I heard Billy Graham preach once. No idea what he said. No idea what he said. Kids, y'all, who went to Ford last year? Did you guys have a great time? You feel the presence of God? It was awesome. What were the sermons about? What? I don't know. There we go. Okay. She said, the woman feeds the there was a there was lights and shiny stuff. All right, listen. Here's the thing, and this is what I'm this is what I'm arriving. Here's what I'm arriving at. God, when He makes an impression in your heart and in your life, you will never forget it. Those are the things that you don't forget. It's the impressions of the Holy Spirit. It's not the messages. Right? There's things that you can learn, and God will use those messages. You will use those, those messages. And I'm going to give you some examples in a while. Those mess, God will speak through those messages into your life. Me, if you're here on Sundays, other preachers, other speakers. All right? But the thing that you hold on to, the thing that alters you, the thing that changes you, is when the Spirit of God impresses his will into your life and impresses his thoughts into your life and impresses the idea of who he is and who he is into the deepest part of your life, and it alters the way that you perceive. It alters the way that you think. There's four ways to do this, and I'm going I'm, I'm to get to a place in a minute. There's four ways that God ultimately does this. One, through, other, through circumstances. This is a big, high-impact way that God will move through your life. Usually it's to get the, your attention, you know, in a way because you're really not paying attention a lot of times, and God will use certain circumstances. doesn't mean he always causes all of them. It just means that he uses them in your life to kind of get your attention, sometimes to slow your life down. Sometimes these are bad circumstances, situations. Sometimes they're positive ones, but he'll use these circumstances and situations in your life to impress a thought or impress an idea or to get your attention or to move move in you. And a lot of times they talk about faith catalyst. One of the five ways that God moves in our life and builds our faith is through circumstances and situations in your life. And just, just, and if you feel comfortable raising your hand, I would just like to, I would just like to just, just, just to see, I just want to see if, if you, if there's anybody in the room that feel comfortable raising their hand and saying, listen, I started going to church or I got back into church or, or I came because of a circumstance or a situation that occurred in my life, a loss of a loved one, or uh, I was going, our marriage got rocky or, or, you know what, I was just, I was enjoying my, you know, God was really blessing me, but I, I just, but I just didn't have, you know, I just didn't feel satisfied if there's a circumstance or situation that ultimately led you to be interested in God or going to church or anything. I'd just be interested in anybody would be comfortable to raise their hand to that. All right, look around. Okay, so listen, this is, there was a lot of hands, by the way. I said, look around. Everybody was like, you, you didn't look around, all right? No point in everybody raising their hand if you guys aren't going to look around and see the evidence, all right? I said, listen, the circumstances in life, God will use these, and he'll impress things on your heart. He'll impress things on your mind, and he'll get a hold of you. Usually these are like high-impact moments in our life. This is one very amazing way that, that God will do that. Another way is, is through other people, other believers. Uh, the Bible says that there are people who are gifted uh, to teach, gifted to preach, gifted to, 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 to speak. There are people who are just blessed with wisdom. You know what I mean? And, like, and they just, they have, they just, God just has just blessed them with wisdom and they can speak into your life and they can help you. And I mean, this is something that happens every single Sunday here at Harvest Cove. Like I get up here and I, I teach the word of God and God uses the teaching of his word, all right, to shine the light of the gospel into people's lives and, and, to, and to bring people closer to him. And, and there are people you know in your life. I mean, how many people, if you can think, all right, and we can do the hand thing again. Nobody looks, so it doesn't really matter. But we can, but I mean, how many people can you know, you know what? You know, there was a person in my life that God just really used, all right, 
in my life. God just really used that person to impress a thought or an idea in my heart and a life, one that I haven't forgotten, one that led me closer to God, or one that put me in a more intimate place, or one that led me to church to begin with. Is there anybody, like a, they call them providential relationships. Anybody, anybody have one of those? Look around. All right. Like this, is, this is huge in the kingdom of God. This is huge in the kingdom of God. All right, this is a big way. I mean, I, I, I love to think that what I do on Sunday is important right? and that, it, that my life has some meaning, some meaning. We already proved nobody remembers anything I say, but you know what I mean, that there's some hope there that God can, that God can use, that God uses other people. And a third way, and this is one of the most powerful ways, and I, I'm definitely going from, from least to greatest, one of the most powerful ways, prayer. Prayer is massive. Prayer is huge. All right, so, and, and just to give you an example, you know, in my own life, prayer was something that I got early on in my Christian walk with, with Christ. Um, I just, I found the power of prayer, and it was just something that, that really overtook me. Um, and, and, and a lot of the decisions, major decisions in my life, were made literally in the moments of prayer. And one that is just beyond obvious and definitely a high-impact moment was when, um, you know, Ryan Weaver asked me to come pastor this church years ago. Um, we were sitting in a little Mexican restaurant. Everybody's heard the story a hundred times. We're sitting in a little Mexican restaurant, and he says, hey, you know, what do you think about coming to pastor in the church? And I'm like, well, let's eat some chips, and uh, we'll talk about that, I guess. Didn't see it coming. And so, um, and we started talking about that. I left there that day, that night. It was late. And um, got in the car, and I had keys to a smaller church in the area, and I drove to that church, um, and, I, and I went in, and I walked down in the middle of the night, and I just began to pray to God to give me, and I'm telling you, I said, God, listen, if this is you, I need to know it. I need to, I need to know. And there was just this overwhelming presence of God I have never experienced before or since. Oh, I mean, I just began to wail. I just began to cry. It was just this, I had never been more certain of anything in my life. I promise you it was so heavy. It was so strong. I thought if I were to look up right now, Jesus would be right in front of me. I'm not trying to be overdramatic. It was that powerful. It was that strong of confirmation, that impression. I knew that moment that that was my, that was the will of God. I knew that I needed to leave and stop what I was doing and come here and pastor the church. And, you know, and God, God has done, you know, done the rest. And what I'm, and, and, and this is just the thing is that it happens through prayer that God just impresses this idea. Not all of them are that dramatic. That was, I've never experienced anything like that before or after that. But I mean, that was just the thing. And I think it had to be that big for me in that moment because I wouldn't have left. I had Courtney who wasn't sure if she was going to marry me or not hanging out in Chattanooga. I had another semester left of school. I had job offers in Atlanta. There was so, there was a ton of things. And I, and I, I think that God knew that I didn't have enough faith unless he did that dramatic of a moment in my life in order for me to come up here. But that was a moment that happened in prayer. As we begin to pray and we open ourselves up to God, right, God will make impressions on our life. He will leave that thought and, and, and those, those lasting ideas in our hearts and our minds. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And, and those, are, those are some very powerful things uh, that God works through. And the last, and the last one, and this is the one I'm going to hang out on just for a while because I want to I teach you something about this. It's Scripture. Scripture. I'm a preacher. You know I was going here. You knew we were going to get the Bible. All right, scripture. This book is the most powerful thing in the existence of the universe. Most powerful thing in the existence of the universe. There is, there is nothing right, more powerful than this right here. Nothing. 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 God, and, I, and I'm going to mean this, I mean this. God will never use circumstances, other people, he will never use anything else more powerfully and more consistent to speak to your heart and your mind than the word of God. Nothing. 
it's, a, it, it's, it's absolutely insane the amount of powerful wisdom, ideas, philosophy, not to mention just the power of the spirit itself that exists within this book. This book is the face of a living God. God spent thousands of years imprinting who he is, the power of his existence into this book. Right? And there has been multiple times in history where the world has tried to stamp out this book and they have never succeeded. This book is, is incorruptible. You can't, you can't destroy it. You'll never leave it. It'll never disappear. It will always be here. God promises even in the Old Testament. He says kingdoms will come, kingdoms will go, but my word will last forever. My word will last forever. And he's proven that. It's still here today, powerful influence. And you know what I think is what is powerful about this? Has anybody ever heard of uh, um, Dante, the poet, the philosopher? Yeah, I mean, he was, a, he, was a, he was a philosophy guru, teacher, poet, right? Wrote for, spent tons and tons of times writing and influencing the world for dozens of years. I ever heard of Plato? All right, everybody's heard of Plato. Aristotle? All right. These philosophers, these great Greek philosophers that have influenced way more than you even realize probably. Most of them spoke 40, 50 years. They influenced the world. All right? You go through down the line of all these great philosophers and these people that have influenced, you know, there's different things. You know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds of years of philosophy and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of, of teaching and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of ideas. And, and, and do you know how, how long Jesus taught? Three years. And, and, the, and the, the core of his teaching was put into this book sewn together with the Old Testament. And this book, from three years of teaching, has influenced the world in a way nothing else ever has in the history of existence. Right, you don't have to buy the God thing. Listen, that's your own prerogative. You don't even have to buy the Jesus is, is divine thing. But what you can't argue against is that what exists in this book has influenced the world in a way that we have never seen before or after. There is something incredibly powerful that exists within this book. Most of you guys own one. All of you guys have access to one. Yet the vast majority of us never pick it up and never read it and never allow God to speak to us through it. And it's the most powerful thing in the existence of the universe. So, I want to I teach us something this morning about the way that God works through this book. And I want to challenge you to adopt this book into your everyday life. I want to teach you something called here. All right, you got a pen, you got a pencil, write this down, text it to yourself. All right, I know none of you will, but just do it anyway. All right, just pretend, take out your phone, you're already on it playing a game. Just text it to yourself, come back to it. Write it down, something here. I'm going to teach you something that's very, 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 very practical. All right? And it's not going to seem that exciting, but then I'm going to show you the way that God uses this in our everyday lives. All right, the first thing when it comes to here, I want you to know about when it, when it comes to, the, when it comes to the, the Bible. I'm going to walk you through how I've been studying the Bible for the last years, of the majority of the time that I've spent my relationship with God. Are you ready for this? This is going to be awesome. This is going to be super exciting. So I get up in the morning. You guys get up in the morning? All right. I go take a shower. You guys take showers? Here's something I do that you guys will think will grow. I brush my teeth in the shower. 
I love it. I just, I, I need the shower time, and I just sit there and I brush my teeth for like 10 minutes in the shower and let the water just drift over me as I wake up. Courtney thinks it's the grossest thing in the world. I personally love it. I get out of the shower. I go into the, uh, I go into the, the kitchen, and I get coffee. It's Pepsi this morning, but I go in, and I get coffee, and I sit down at a table. All right, I get, I get the Bible. Uh, I usually have something to highlight and write with. I take my phone. All right, and I throw it away. I'm not really going to throw it because it's really expensive, but I'm going to set it over here. And, um, and, and I get rid of it, right? I get rid of it. I take a, see, this is a secret place. I, I take it. I get away. I, my life, I have something to write in. And, uh, and then I just sit down. It's crazy. You guys, you guys ready? Insane. Your life's about to be absolutely changed. I have normal chairs at my house. I sit down. I open up the Bible. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Open up the Bible, and I read it. <laughs> now, I know that's crazy. I know. I mean, I know. I, out of this world. But I actually read the Bible. It's, I know it's freaky. I know. Insane. Read the Bible. Right, and this is, this is one I'm going to teach you just about here, because I, I feel like there's a lot of people who really just don't, honestly, they just don't. It's not, it's not that they wake up every morning and they go, you know what, I hate God, so I'm not going to read the Bible. All right? Nope, I feel, don't think that. They don't get up and you know, they go, you know what, today I'm just going to on purpose not interact uh, with the most powerful thing in the existence of the universe. I'm just going to watch some, you know, watch the news, watch the office, something early in the morning, wake up. So I want to read this to you. He says, listen, here, the first thing it says, listen, I want you to read the Bible until something sticks out to you. Read the Bible until something sticks out to you. And then when that thing, something sticks out to you, something that, that God and God will do it. I mean, every time, it may take two minutes, it may take 20 minutes, but as you read the Bible, I promise you, God, will, something will stick out to you. And when it does, crazy, you highlight that thing that sticks out to you. It's insane. Just wait on me. We're, we're getting somewhere. Methodist Church has a service at like 11, so if you guys want to take off and make that, you can. Um, I just, I, as I, I'm kind of reading, you know, you just highlight it. You highlight it. And you take that thing, man, and you, just, and you say, quick, I just say a quick prayer. You know, God, something here, you know, this is, this, it's kind of sticking out to me. This is, you know, this is a thing. You know, what, you know, what is it? And, 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 then, and then listen, I want you to ask God to explain it to you and to really think about it. That's what the E stands for. It's crazy. You guys aren't writing this down. I'm telling you, listen. For one time, just do what I say. <laughs> listen to me. For one time, I'm, I'm trying to help you in a huge way. I just Listen, highlight, read. I know this is crazy. I know, I know this is crazy. Highlight all right, until something sticks out to you and highlight it. And then pray about it just for a second. Just for a second. I know that's insane. I know that's like extremist. I know only preachers pray. But just pray. Just God explain to me. Start to think about it. David called it meditation. All right, just start to think about what does, you know, what, what, what does this mean? To me, what does this? What does this mean? What is? What? What? What's what the context of this? What? You know, what? What does this mean? Why, how does this work? What does it say? What is the? What is the point? Explain it. You know, this, I know this is insane too. Write down that explanation. Just write it down in this little note. I got. I got notebooks and computer pages full of things. Just write it down. Highlight it. Explain it. And then ask God. You know, hey, how can I apply this to my life? What would that look like? What would that look like if I applied this to my life? If I, if I actually, I know this is insane too, if I actually obeyed what the Bible said, what would that look like to me? We're talking about crazy, insane Christianity right now, but what would I, if, 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 I, if I read the Bible 
and something stuck out to me and I highlighted it and I tried to figure out what it meant. If I tried to use that brain that God gave me, tried to figure out what it meant. I know this is, I know. And then how can I apply this to my life? Right, what would it look like if I applied this to my life? How, what, if, I, if, I, if I started to apply this to my life today, what would that look like? Maybe write that down. Just think about it. Meditate on it. Insane. I know. And then R, respond. All right, what am I going to do with what I just took in? What am I going to do with what, what, I just, what I just received from the Scripture, from the Bible? What am I going to do? How, how can I, tomorrow, how can I respond? Maybe it's you respond with prayer. God, give me the strength to fully understand this. God, you know, let me begin to add this to my life. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's you write a letter to God. Maybe it's you write out a plan, you know, what I mean, to not uh, slap your wife anymore. Whatever it is. I mean, whatever God's speaking to your heart, and you know, how am I going to respond tomorrow? What is going to be the response? How can I respond to this? I, I, I've highlighted it. I've explained it. I know how it could apply to my life. And now what am I going to do? What's the response of it? I know it's crazy, I know, but that's here. That's something that, that, that's something that I do, I've been doing for many, many, many years in my life, in my own way. And now a lot of times, you know, I don't, I don't have something to handwrite as much. I just have the computer there in front of me, and I, and I just begin to write, and I begin to meditate on it, and I begin to study, and, 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 I, and it's just something that's powerful. It's insane how God will begin to impress in your life. And so I thought I would give you some examples in, in, in my world um, I remember high impact, low impact moments in my world, some, some low impact moments that have shifted my life forever that have come out of my time spent with God. I thought I would give you some guys example. Are you guys excited about this? Are you? Are you really? We're about to go down a rabbit trail of Jordan's brain. That's a dangerous, uh, that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous, dangerous thing. But, um, you know, this is, there's, there's three and I, and I thought I went back and I, and these, these are the three things that that just highly impacted several areas of my life. And, and I, just wanted, I just wanted to go back. I want to teach you the way that God moves. Because if you come at this book from a completely academic standpoint, all right, you're going to miss out on a, on a ton. Because the Bible says that this, this book is alive. All right? It says it's a double-edged sword. It says that it is God-breathed, that God's spirit exists within it. And when you begin to read it, you are not just reading it like you're reading a science book. You're not just reading it like you're reading a literature book. You're not just reading it to learn the grammar language and the math rules and all that. You are reading it, all right? And the Spirit of God is going to use what you read to impress life-changing thoughts into your heart, into your mind. It will change the way you think and ultimately change the way that you live and honor God with your entire life. All right, do you understand that? And I want to give you some examples of that. So I remember when I was, I was younger, I think I was, I was in college, um, and I, uh, I, anybody that knows me knows me well. I love to stay up late, and, and, and not really because I just enjoy it, because I just can't sleep. I, I feel like I have clinical insomnia sometimes. I just, I can't, it may have to do with the 1,500 milligrams of caffeine I take in. We're not really sure. Doctors are trying to figure it out. But it's just one of those things, and, and, and because of that, when I was younger, even when I was younger, I would wake up early, and I would be miserable. Like, I would be miserable because I was so tired, um, and, and because I would wake up early, I couldn't function, you know, and, and, and I just, it was just one of those things where I just, I was just struggling. So a lot of times when I did my, my time with God, I did it, you know, at night. I did it later in the afternoons and, and, or at night before I went to bed. And, and you know, there was just something that was a part. And then one day I was studying, I was reading, and, and it was just one of those things. Um, I was reading Mark chapter 1, verse 35. I know you don't have your Bibles, um, but if you, if you did have them, you could turn there with me just to hang out. Um, this is Mark chapter 1, and I just was reading. It's just one fainting thought. I've probably read it a hundred times before. You guys have probably read it too, but I just want to give you kind of a way that God, you know, works in my life. This is one I was going through. I was reading Mark, 
chapter 1, uh, verse 35. I come down to this, and it's talking about Jesus you know, early on in his ministry, and it said these amazing, crazy words. And rising very early, talking about Jesus, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. How many, how many of you have read that before? How many people read the Bible? I'm just kidding. All right, so, and I was sitting there, and I, and I probably had read this, you know, I, I, I made a, a mission to read through the gospel several times early on, so I know that I have, I've come across this before, but in that moment, I'll never forget that night, I was sitting there, I was reading that, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate, desolate place, and there he prayed, and it stuck out to me. And the more you do this, the more you begin to recognize the Spirit moving in your heart and moving in your life, and that stuck out to me, and I remember I highlighted it. Still highlighted. Highlighted it. Very early in the morning. And it just, and I begin the explanation, but why did Christ rise early in the morning? Why did the Son of God rise early in the morning? You're talking about a guy that get in, in two minutes accomplished more than we could in 10 years. You know, why, why did he need to rise up early in the morning and go and, 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 and pray? It was still dark. He departed. He went to a desolate place. He went to a place where he was alone. He went to a place away from people where there were no distractions. And I began to write down, you know, why did he do this? And I, and I began to research and I began to go back. And you know what? David did the same thing. David did the same thing. He said, listen, I'll pray night. I'll pray all day. I'll be in the presence of the Lord. But every morning, that was, that was the one primary time that David, King David, he, it was his time. He got up early. He said he rose before basically the morning shift. Solomon did the same thing. And I started to see, and it just started to speak to my heart and my life. And I was like, okay, now why? Let me explain. Why, why, what does this matter? How can I possibly like, What would it matter? And, it, and this is what the Lord just began to really speak to my heart and my life. I started to realize, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're studying the Bible at night, you've been through the whole day. You've already had a fight with your spouse. All right, you've already had to punch your kids in the face a couple times. You already got stuck in traffic 10 times. You had to get home and cook dinner, you know, for your husband who ate it while watching TV and ignoring you. All right, you know, you, had, you, you did all that. You had to force your kids to do their homework or go find your kids. I don't, I don't know where, what kind of household you guys have. You know what I mean? And like, the, you, you just said you've had life. You know, you got up, you know, got up in, the, in the morning. You got stuck in traffic. You went on. You had to deal with your boss. Everybody hates their boss. Everybody in this room is better uh, at their boss's job than their boss is. So that's common. There's no, you know, guilty people in jail. That's just the way that it works. And so you just go and you interact with your complete idiotic boss. You know what I mean? All day you have to live, you suffer, you know, because you're better than he is in every way, shape, and form. And, um, you know, and you just, that's just the way it is. And you just deal with life and distresses of life and you go home and you come home and, 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 and then you, you've got all that in you. Guess what, man? That's not there in the morning time. And it just hit me, man. That's not there in the morning time. You wake up, and no matter how horrible your life is, at least just for a few minutes, you forget how horrible it is. You just, you wake up. Do you know this? Your body sends out natural hormones to relax you in the morning, to give you, simultaneously give you excitement and to wake you up, and then just to have this, you just have this, this peace kind of there. There is no better time to pray and to read the Bible than in the morning times. I'm telling you. And it just, God just spoke to my heart, just spoke to my heart. I'm not, te- you don't have to do this. I'm not teaching you this. I'm just telling you what God did in my life. And I'm sitting there and I begin to write. And I'm like, God, what am I gonna, how am I gonna apply this to my life? I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning and I'm gonna start a habit of reading. And what I begin to, as I, as I did the application, I did that response, I realized that God, when you get up in the morning, there's something just powerful about God being the first thing that you interact with. First thing that you interact with. And the Spirit impressed that so strongly in my heart. 
And I begin to do that every morning. I begin to, I begin to wake up, and that, that, to this very day, that is a part of my morning. Every single morning, I wake up. It's part of my morning. And God has used that in incredibly powerful ways, and I've never forgotten it. And do you know what? No one ever told me to get up and pray in the morning. I'm sure someone preached it, but I don't remember it. Do you know why I still remember this to this day? Do you know why it's been used in my life in such a powerful way? Because it was the Spirit of God that impressed that into the deepest part of who I am. And I have never forgotten Mark 135, ever. You guys ready for another one? This one, this one is going to explain a little bit to you guys. The third one, actually. This one, this one right here. The second one, um, Ecclesiastes 4.13 was another big one for me. Because I got into ministry really young. Um, and I was really arrogant. Uh, and I was really stupid. And, uh, and I, was, I was really wanting to be, you know, a good leader. And there was a lot of things, you know, that I wanted to do. And I just, I remember struggling. I remember going through and I remember reading this. Um, and this is just kind of how it started. I said, you know, two are better than one. This is Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Amen. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And the man might prevail against one who is alone. Two will withstand him. And threefold uh, is a cord not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. That's something stuck out to me that day. I'll never forget that. Better was a poor and wise youth, mainly because in that moment I was a very poor, uh, not wise, but very poor youth, than all old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. And I began to think about that. God, it, just, it was just that thing, that impression. It's the Spirit of God moving in my life in that moment. I, I wrote it down and I highlighted it uh, and I would just begin to try to explain it and just think about it as a Lord. And, and I realized something in that, in that moment in my life. I was very, very dependent. I believed in that moment in that time. I believed in the idea of power. I believed in the idea of strength. I believed in the idea of wealth and riches. I believed in uh, that, that this was, that if I was going to influence, you know, I, I would need control. I would need power. I would need, I would need a position. I would need to be the pastor. I would need to be this. I would need to have wealth. I would need, and I, and I had this idea of what it was to be powerful, of what it was to influence. And I even had some good intentions behind some of those bad thoughts. And, and I felt like, and as the Lord began to move in my heart and my life over this right here, I, I came to this conclusion uh, as I read this and I began to, and it just meditate on it for days. I just couldn't get out of this. I came to this conclusion that there was zero power in power. There was zero power in wealth. There was zero power in corporate ladder, ladder success. There was zero power in all these things. There was zero power in positional power. There was zero power in, in even the highest you know, political stance, even in the present, there's, there's nothing more powerful in this life than someone who is continually seeking after the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of God. Now, that may not make sense to any of you guys. It may not make sense, and you may, you may reject that completely and hate that and think that is just absolutely boring. In that moment in my life, that changed the way that I perceived life completely. And I, and I vowed, and I, I will never stop chasing the wisdom of God. I will never stop going after the understanding the knowledge of God. And it says, listen, a poor and wise youth uh, is more powerful than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. I'll never stop learning. I will never arrive. This became a deep, saturated thought 
in my heart. I will never arrive. I will never have it all. I will never learn everything. I will always be in need of God's wisdom, of God's understanding. And I'm going to tell you something right now. All right, that thought, that, that is a, and you don't, you don't realize it, and you may be bored out of your mind, and this may be the worst sermon you've ever heard, but I'm going to tell you something right now. That thought for me, that radically changed who I was as a human being. And it may mean nothing to you, but it changed me. Why? Because the Spirit of God used that to impress a little bit of who he was and a little bit of who I was supposed to be and a little bit of the way that I was supposed to think. And he impressed that into my heart and my mind, and my mind was renewed, right? and it altered who I am. I would never be who I am today without that moment I had with God in that day. All right, just one more, one more, one more. We're, getting, we're going somewhere, one more. This is the one that may explain a little bit to you guys about who I am. This is Ecclesiastes 3. What gain has a worker from his toil? You guys could actually learn something from this one. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. I'm going to read that again because that was the thought. I perceive, this is Solomon, wisest man on the planet. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. That is God's gift to man. I left my house when I was 10 years old. I started walking up and down the road, knocking on people's doors, asking them if I could walk their dog, wash their dishes, cut their grass, whatever I could do to make a buck. I started working when I was 15 years old. I started I went into hardcore like labor, like garage door business when I was 16 years old. I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked, not because I had a good worth ethic, because I wanted money. I, and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And I did not, I just, that was what I chased. That was what I was after. And I saw a lot of things in life. I saw a lot of people who would work and they would work and they would work and they would succeed in every way, shape, and form. They would come to the highest point of the ladder, that whatever ladder you're trying to climb up, they would get there. Uh, they would find themselves usually alone, usually divorced, usually with a horrible relationship with their kids. They would have all the wealth and no happiness and no joy. And I realized something. I was just kind of going through this and I, and I started to read this and, I, and this thought just stuck out to me over and over again. I perceive that there's nothing better, nothing better on this earth than for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. And this changed the way that I perceived everything. If I, no matter what I acquired, if I didn't have joy in my life, something was terribly wrong. If I was working a nine to five and I absolutely hated it, but they were paying me $150,000, something is incredibly wrong. See, because there's a lot of you right now, I told you you could learn something. This isn't even the message. Here's a bonus. A lot of you guys, you're going to work your entire life, and you're going to hate it. You're going to hate your boss, remember, because you're better than he is. You're going to hate your job. You're going to hate it, and you're, and you're living for this idea that retirement will be better. You're going to try to acquire all this wealth. You're going to try to do all this. And listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's not God's gift to you. God's gift to you is to enjoy the world that he has put around you. That's why if there's a bridge, I'll jump off of it. If there's a fish, I'm going to try to catch it and eat it. Seriously. All right? If there are friends, I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. Because as I looked around, as I grew up, I looked around and I saw a lot of people that did not have joy in their life. 
And God just spoke. Listen, this may mean nothing to you. I don't even care. For me, God impressed this in me. And he says, I want you to understand life. It's short. It's going to go by like that. And one of the greatest gifts I'm giving you, hang out with your friends, eat, drink, take pleasure in everything that you do. Do good and enjoy the life that I've given you because it goes by quick. Completely altered the way that I thought and perceived life. Changed everything. These are just three things in my life that have ultimately changed. And I want to say this. Those things may mean nothing to you. That's not the point. The point is, is that I was in my secret place. I, I had given God my life. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. I had given God my life. I had decided that I was going to reject the idea of culture. I wasn't going to let culture tell me what success was. I wasn't going to let culture tell me what was right and what was wrong. I wasn't going to let culture tell me how I needed to spend my life. I wasn't going to let culture tell me. I rejected that idea, and I turned my attention and my focus straight to God. And I prayed excessively for God to speak to the deepest parts of my heart. And as I began to go through this book and read through this book, the Lord began to speak to me on a regular basis. He began to open up the word for me. He began to show me these things. And as I took these thoughts in, it changed the way that I perceived life. It changed the way that I thought. Not because some preacher preached it to me. All right? Not because some, some, I read some book by some great wise man. It was because God used this book to impress who he was into my heart. And it altered the way that I lived and that I perceived life. I am who I am today because I learned how to hear from God. I, and I'm going to tell you this. And, and this is something, that, and, I, and I want you to get this. And I want you to go home. I would love for you to, to that to be a part of your life. I would love that. I would love that tomorrow. I would love that because I know what it's going to do for your life. But here's, here's the ending message. Here's my, the ending point to today. When I was, in, I, was in, I was in college, and one summer, um, I, I had to take Greek, uh, and it was one of the worst summers of my entire life. But while I was there, they asked me uh, to be basically like kind of over the summer, uh, basically it was like a summer RA or RD. I was over the summer doing that. I got this set of keys, and, and I was basically in charge of all of the, all of the dorms and all of this different stuff. And, um, and, you know, and I was there doing my thing, and and. A thought occurred to me as I was about halfway through the summer near the end of the summer. It was the first summer I was dating Courtney, all right? So it was just basically Greek and Courtney, and uh, it was awesome. And, um, and, and, and it got down to the end of it, and I was thinking, you know, about, about this, how large this campus was. And this is, a thought occurred to me. I'm going somewhere. I thought how big this campus was. And I was like, man, there's so many different things. You know, on this campus that you could do. I mean, there's all the boring stuff like the library and the classrooms and there's the gym, you know what I mean? And there's the hot tub in the gym and there's, and and all of a sudden I started thinking about all these awesome things at this campus and then I started to realize I've got the keys to all of it. Then the end of my summer changed a little bit. I started to enjoy a lot of those privileges that I hadn't really thought about beforehand. I started to take advantage of the little 
short-term position that I had and the keys that I had in my hand and I started to enjoy and I started to, to go into the gym and do, and do the hot tub deal and I started, we went on little adventures um, in place I'm not going to tell you about because it was wrong, but it was not sinful. It was just, you know, and, 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 it's, and I enjoyed the fullness of the building. I explored everybody's office and then I went through everybody's desks and it was amazing and like, I just, I didn't really do that. But it, but it occurred to me that I went through that entire summer and I'm telling you, I had a, we had a blast. All right, after we realized we had all this access. But I went through three quarters of the summer and it was just as boring as I could ever think compared to the end. And the entire time I had the keys, I had the access the entire time. Here's my thing with you guys. I believe with all of my heart, the vast majority, not just the people in this church, but the vast majority of American Christians are living well beneath the spiritual privileges that Christ bought for them on the cross. I think, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, there are some of you guys, y'all are missing out on the adventure and the excitement and the beautiful relationship with God. You're missing out on God speaking to your heart. You're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you this right now, I'm telling you this, I want you to hear me. You're missing out on it because some of you haven't given God your life, really. You believe in Christ, you put your faith in Christ, but you have not placed your life as a living sacrifice down to God. You haven't said, God, this is my life and now it's yours. You haven't said that. Some of you guys, you are so embraced by this culture. And I love the way the message put it. That's why I chose this. You fit into culture so well without even thinking. You allow culture, you allow the government You allow TV, you allow the news, you allow the people, you allow the spirit of this world to tell you who you are, to tell you what's cool, to tell you what's going to make you happy, to tell you, and you're you're eating it up, you're loving it, you're taking it all in, you're letting it shape the way you think, you're letting it shape the way that you see life, you're letting it shape the way, you're letting all this in, some of it's just philosophies of the world, some of it's outright sinful, you're letting all of it come in to shape who you are as a husband, to shape who you are as a father, to shape who you are as a leader, to shape who you are, you're You've got this whole idea. I'm down. I know. And I, it's, and I know it sucks because I know there's a lot of you. You're getting older, and you based your entire life off this idea that you're going to work for 40 years and then you're going to retire and you're going to go do all that. And I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Vast majority of us. That's not the plan that God has for you. That's not why God created you. He didn't create you so you could get a nine to five, save a bunch of money, and then retire and die. That's not why God created you. But a lot of you have taken that in because then that, that's the American dream. You succeed, you get wealthy, you climb the ladder, you do your thing, and then, and then somehow, some way, through either through wealth or through success or through fame, you find happiness and you find joy, and you're chasing it all of your life. And it's going to be the most depressing thing you ever do when you turn 50 or 55 or 62 or whenever it is you decide to retire and you realize that everything you built up for is absolutely nothingness. And you don't have any satisfaction and you don't have any real joy and you don't have any real happiness happiness and you've spent your whole life. What do you think a midlife crisis is? That's what that is. When you spend, when you come to that point in your life, when you look back and you realize that everything that you thought life was about, when you have that fluttering idea and you realize, okay, that's not what life was about. And now I'm 49 or now I'm 55 and it's too late and I'm going to freak out and I'm going to buy a red Corvette. I'm going to leave my wife and I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to freak out. When people come to that realization, what I want you to understand about God is God wants to impress on you his will for your life as early of an age as he can possibly do that. 
He wants to move into the deepest part of who you are as early as he can possibly do that so that you don't wake up when you're 50 and realize that you've missed what God had for you. So you don't wake up when you're 60 and realize that you missed what God had for you. So you don't lay on your deathbed looking back going, my, I wish I'd have done it different. I wish I'd done it. I got a lot of weaknesses. I've made a lot of mistakes, but this ain't one of them. I went after God with all my heart. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. And as soon as I had that idea, I went after with everything I was. I threw everything else to the side, and I went after it. I may die poor, but I will die happy as a lark. I will die fully satisfied. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't know because you're not listening. There's nothing that I will ever say up here that is going to alter your life the way God will as he moves into your life and he impresses these things in your life. There are tons of people in this country, tons of people in this room this morning, you are living so far below the spiritual privileges that you have. You have, and I, God, I know you get tired of me saying it, you can wake up every single morning and hear from the creator of the universe. Think about that concept. You can wake up every single morning of your life and hear from the creator of the universe who has a desire to show you his will so that you can use your life to give him glory and find joy and satisfaction. But a lot of you guys get up in the morning and watch Oprah. Get up in the morning, drink some coffee and play some video games. Right? Get up in the morning and turn on Rush Limbaugh. Get into your political game. Get into your, your, the, the four women that sit around and just yap, yap, yap and make zero sense and I'll never understand it. Or watch the Kardashians. Do you realize, no, I'm not, I'm not being funny. I'm being, do you realize there are teenagers in this very church, you actually view life through the lens of some of the Kardashian viewpoints. Think about that concept. This is cool because Kim Kardashian does it. I'm for real. There are people, you think about this, that have altered things in their life because Oprah said it was cool. You think I'm being dumb. There are people in this life that have based their entire marriages because something Dr. Phil said at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm being for real, dude. You have a reference point in your life. You have something that's telling you what to do in your life. You do not come up with it on your own. That's not how we are built. We are built to serve and to take in and to obey. And what I'm telling you is right now, and I want you to hear me, if it's not the God of the universe, it is the enemy of this world. Right? It's not, there's, there's, no, there's no middle ground. You are either, you're either serving and loving God and allowing God to impress his views into your life and his philosophies into your life and who he is into your life and allowing God to direct you or you allowing the culture of this world to direct you. There is no in between. You are not the king of the universe. You are not a creator. You are the creation. You will do as you are told because we are human beings and that's who we are. The world will direct you. The world will lead you. The world will take you and tell you who you are or God will. You, that's it. That's it. That's it. And so what am I telling you this morning? If I haven't, if I haven't made it clear enough. I, if this is not a massive part of your life, and you are not allowing God to speak to you through this. Paul says, not me, so you get mad at Paul. Paul says that you are being led and guided by the spirits of this world. Because life is so much more than flesh and blood. It is principalities and powers that exist on a deep spiritual level. 
And you think about the things that you take in. You think about the things that you watch. You think about the things that you listen to. You think about the things that alter you. I'm telling you, they do it. Think about the things that you guide. Think about what you Google. Think about what you listen to. I'm telling you right now, God says, everything that I am, my entire being, my entire presence, I will use this book to impress myself into your life and to renew you, to change you from the inside out. If that's not happening in your life, then you have to ask yourself this question. What is altering you? What is affecting you? What is changing you? Where are you getting your marching orders from? Who's telling you what is right? Who's telling you what is wrong? Somebody is. God said, if you'll give me your life, you'll reject the culture of the day. You'll set your attention on me get into my word I will use that to radically change your life to open up your future to show you that good and pleasing perfect will it's what Romans 12 says I'll show you my good and pleasing perfect will for your life get into the book allow God to impress himself into your heart or you stand the chance of missing out on the life you were supposed to live. Realize it today, not when you retire, not on your deathbed, not after your third marriage. Realize it today. God has a good and pleasing and perfect will. And he's the only one that can give it to you. Put this book in your life and it will change you. If you guys will stand with me. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this room, God. I know today was a little different. God, I know it was, a, it was, a, it was a, more of a teaching, God. God, I, I understand that. I pray, Lord, right now that you will use every second of today, God, in your own way to move into the deepest parts of our hearts and our minds, God. Let us know this morning, Lord, that we are beings. We are creations, God. You are our creator. You are the artist, God. You are the author, Father. You're the one writing the story. You're the only one that knows what tomorrow holds. You're the only one that knows the ending, God. You are everything and anything, God. You are great, awesome, and almighty, Father. You are the king of the universe, God. I pray, Lord, God, let us realize this morning, God, as followers of Christ, God, as believers in you, let us realize this morning that there is no higher authority than you, Lord. God, let us give ourselves to you, Father. Let us reject the culture of the day. Don't let the humans, God, don't let other spirits of this world, God, don't let the culture of the government tell us what is right and what is wrong. Tell us what's successful and what's not. Tell us who we are and what we believe and tell us where we're going. God, let's reject that, Father, and let us turn all of our attention and all of our focus to you, Father. I pray, Lord, God, as, as people do that, God, as people begin to turn their attention to you, their focus to you, God, as people begin to make you their reference point, as people begin to pray, God, as people begin to open up their word, Father God, and read it, God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to their hearts, God, that you will begin to impress, God, your whispers, God, that you will begin to just use that, that still, small voice, God, that Elijah talks about, God, just begin to move in our heart, God, just begin to alter us and change us and show us, God. I pray, Lord, Father, right now that, that we will be a church, Father God, not a people who, who love to come here, join, preach, God, but we will become a people who love to get into the word of God. 
that we will become a people who understand the power of Scripture, that we will, God, become a people who are hungry, God, to know their, your will for our lives, God. I pray, Lord, I know what it is, God. I know what it is to hear from you. I know how powerful it is to have an impression in our hearts from you, God. I know how powerful it is, God. It is more powerful than any message or any sermon that has ever been preached in the history of the world. Hearing from you on, on a Monday morning at 6.30 in the morning is more powerful, God, than hearing the greatest preacher of preachers preach, God. I pray, Lord God, let us be a people, Father, who want you, God. Let us be a people who don't want a middleman, Father God. Let us be a people who chase you, God, who get into your word, God, who know you. And I pray, Lord, that you will pour yourself out into our hearts and into our minds, God. I pray, Lord God, whether it is in the morning, God, or it's at lunchtime, or it's in the middle of the night, God, as, as people begin to seek you, as people begin to open up their word, I pray, Lord God, that you will just move, God, in a mighty way in their life. God, let reveal yourself to them in a mighty way, God. Begin to make impressions in their heart and their life, God. Ultimately, Father, I pray that this is a church, God, of people who desire your will, who hear your will, God, and who live out your will. I pray, God, don't let us... Don't let us be a people who chase the distractions and the, and the little things that we think bring us happiness, God. Let us be a people, God, that, that are fully and completely satisfied in you, God, and experience joy that you have given us. Let us be a people, God, who forfeit the culture of this world to chase after the glory of you. Be with our people this morning, God. In your holy and your precious name, amen. Worship him.